You're listening to Making Global Learning Universal, conversations about engaging diverse perspectives, collaboration, and complex problem solving in higher education, on campus, online, in local communities, and abroad. I'm your host, Stephanie Dosher, Director of Global Learning Initiatives at Florida International University and co-author of Making Global Learning Universal, promoting inclusion and success for all. There is no single day, or I would say even single hour goes by, when there is no public health crisis in the world. So that's what you have to be aware, that it's such a dynamic subject. There's nothing wrong, there's nothing right. Only thing is that you have to get engaged, find local sources, local resources to solve the problem, to find the solution. Professor Alok Diraj has been teaching Health Without Borders, a course he developed specifically for FIU's Global Learning Initiative, since fall 2013. He fully embraces the fact that this general education course draws over 100 students per semester many of whom have no intention of majoring in health-related disciplines. For some, it's the last course that they're taking in college. For others, it's the first. Yet semester after semester, Alok sends me student reflections that demonstrate his course's power to transform perspectives. Students leave truly feeling they've gained useful knowledge that they're going to be able to apply in their lives. And in this interview, Alok talks about how he prepares students with little or no background knowledge to actively engage with the course material in class and in the community. Global public health is incredibly complex, but again, Alok embraces this. He gives students many ways in, opportunities to personally connect to public health challenges and to identify ways they can work to mitigate these challenges. This is me talking with Alec. So Alec, you created your course, Health Without Borders, specifically for the Global Learning Initiative. Correct. Why? <laughs> tell, us, tell us the story of what moved you to create, to go to all the trouble of creating a brand new course um, and, and how you des- what your original course design was. Um, I have been fascinated uh, with the public health. The reason is that um, if you ask me, I do not have a vertical expertise. I have a latitude of experience and expertise uh, starting from working with the variety of models into as a cancer model, as a you know, reproductive technology model, and then also I come from, a, I have, because my background is in biology, in immunology, and neuroendocrinology, and all that. Um, so I worked in the industry, I worked in the university, but I consider that I did not go vertical. I went on a latitude of experience, and when I came here at FIU, I joined the College of Public Health and in the Department of Environmental Health Science. So I felt home in a way that, oh, I can actually put all the expertise and experience together 
for the public good and how to connect things. So that was one of the driving force to bring this global public health course for the undergraduate student. Because I like to connect different knowledge, different perspective, different awareness. Because if you become too focused into one direction, sometimes the bigger picture you lose. And that's what I also want to impart with my students going forward. That was my driving force to develop this course. Fantastic. So would you tell us a little bit about what students are studying in, in the Health Without Borders course? Are you exposing students to topics or are they more engaging with questions or different types of problems? How do you organize that course? As you, I mean, you know it very well that uh, we have three elements of the global learning class. It's the global awareness, the global perspective, and the global engagement. I took that as a really uh, kind of a framework to design this course in order to uh, develop this course, Health Without Border, which is essentially a global public health course. So what it is is, first of all, it is such a fascinating subject because it is everything. It is chemistry, biology, mathematics, engineering, politics, governance, culture, you name it. And there is no one expertise can come together to solve the problem. It has to combine together to solve any problem. It has to have a teamwork. So that was one of the driving force to develop this course. So what I have done here is that uh, you have to have a common language. So I have divided my course into three modules. The first module essentially it talks about how to describe the public health or the global public health, uh, the units and indices of the global public health. Otherwise, if you say something people wouldn't understand, there has to be uniform language, such as birth rate, infant and mortality rate, maternal mortality ratio, um, demographic transition, or the epidemiological transition. So those are some of the basic terms and terminology they have to be aware of. Then only they can describe what the global public health entails. So that's the first module is primarily based on to the units and indices of global public health to describe the issues related to the global public health. Then we move into a second module where we talk about the crisis, what we have at the moment at the global scale, which affects our health, even like, you know, what is happening locally, how it affects your health, if it is happening in America, it is affecting the people in Australia. If it is happening in Congo, it is affecting the people in Poland. If it is happening in Russia, it is also affecting the people into Mexico. So it's such a, a interconnected world. And this is where uh, the crisis, what all over the world we are facing, uh, and there are determinants, the environmental determinants, cultural determinants, the um, health determinants, biological determinants, ratios, sexes, and everything comes together and what crisis we are facing. For example, I can tell you the first of all, as you know, the environmental health issues, uh, pollution, whether it's in China, India, uh, even in U.S., uh, the, um, our groundwater pollution, our air pollution, our you know, radiation, everything. Uh, that's one of the crises we have, and all of them, what we call the human-made issues, which has, is causing problems. Then climate change is another one. 
the differences in the beliefs, the cultural determinants, like some uh, places people wouldn't like to vaccinate their children, how that is causing the problem to the other people or not. And they have such a strong belief uh, that this is not going to help them. Um, and then also we talk about where we were earlier when our the longevity was very small like no, and now our longevity has increased how that is changing the social dynamics uh, so those kind of things we talk into the um, crisis or, or the issues what is related to for example now given the technologies we have available there was a time issue uh, if we utilize everything we can live for 142 years today in today's term um, all the technology we can have your hip replacement, knee replacement, heart replacement, everything, and you can actually live 142 years. But whether it's ethical, moral, and how it is going to affect overall the health, who can afford the accessibility, availability, those kind of things we talk into the uh, second module. The third module is, again, it's kind of related. The third module is, and this is where uh, I think becomes very important, the global engagement part where the students have to be aware of the technology and tools, what is available to address some of these situations or the crisis, you can call it. For example, even from our learning processes, we know that there are, even if it's a hurricane or earthquake or fire, there is a pattern of things when it happens, who gets uh, injured, who, what kind of uh, disease issues or health issues uh, comes after these disasters. So there is a pattern. If you understand that pattern, you can prepare yourself. For example, there is no other place in the world who can be better prepared for hurricane than Florida. For example, California or Japan is the best prepared for the earthquake. But sometimes the nature plays its role, like, you know, the tsunami and the nuclear disaster and uh, all those things, the earthquake, all three coming together in Japan, it's never heard of, but that can happen too. But we are prepared uh, to, to minimize, to mitigate the health risks. So even those things happen, you have, like, you know, you have minimized the casualties, whether it's a tornado, whether it's an earthquake. And so we are learning. As we go along, we are learning through the process. So the, the technology part, we have whether it's a digital, te digital technology, whether it's a transportation technology, whether it's a biotechnology, whether it's a vaccine development, the medicine development, all these things, the genetics, the genomes, the microbiomes, all those things coming together to address the issues what we talk into the module two. And there, I have my student go around the campus and they are engaged into co-curricular activities because uh, we ask them, I ask them to go and attend seminars on the campus or even outside where, and they have to link it to, to the course. So we'll talk about it much more in detail, I believe, in the, the course. Uh, yes, I, yeah. I, you so, know that I'm fascinated by this course because there's, it's so complex. It is such a huge topic. There is so much to explore, so many disciplines, all coming together during this, this single semester. Weeks, yeah. And sometimes your semester, I mean, you teach the course, I think, even in the mini-mester, yes. if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. which is just a, a few weeks three long. Weeks, three weeks. Yeah, three weeks long. Mm -hmm. So this is a massive amount of information, which means that you, as a teacher, 
have to really refine the methods that you use to help students carry multiple ideas in their minds at the same time and reconcile and make connections. So there are a few things that I've heard you talk about in the past. The first one I want to ask you about is your approach regarding problems. It really does seem like just this huge sea of problems Mm -hmm, that are mm -hmm. facing us. But you don't really take a problem-focused perspective. You take kind of the opposite perspective, don't you? Talk a little bit about how you you, you look at patterns. (laughs) Yeah. I, I tell them in the beginning itself that, look, each topic in itself is a course. Yeah. So it is just an introduction to all these facets and and all these different issues. And now you have to find your call, which one or what you want to tackle. Now, what I guide them is by also imparting this thing is that you cannot solve it all by yourself. Even like I have the assessments or the assignments, what they do, for example, like, you know, I give them a problem, let's say, for example, adolescent health and adolescent health. That becomes one topic. But then I make the groups, adolescent health in Europe, adolescent health in America, adolescent health in Asia. And then they prepare the poster, the global burden or the burden of diseases in adolescent health, what had been the trend and all that. And they discuss their poster. And that brings home the variety of perspectives into, and they love it. They, they, in fact, their feedback have been very, very positive. In addition, the co-curricular activities we just mentioned earlier, they can do anything. They can do, go and run a marathon, do um, fundraising, attend the seminars on the campus or cancer or the brain deficits or uh, even political situation, the governance and everything. One of the things which I just asked them that how do you think it is going to affect your health? So that's where you have to bring it home or connect those information. Other thing is that deliberately I make the group where is a diversity of students which goes in there. For example, in the group they will have from freshmen to the senior years. I also try to put it, let's say, some. I, I make the groups. So I will try to make sure that the students are from the biology background, the students are from the business background, the students are from... because. All the students have to take this course. So I have this luxury to mix and match. And that's what I try to do, that I put them into from freshman to senior and try to diversify their pool so that they bring different perspective when they're discussing and all that. Oh, I didn't understand this thing, how this thing happened. Sometimes some groups, they like it, but uh, some um, some don't. But at the same time, because they're, they're also learning a flavor of how to work in a team. So that is there, the co-curricular activities. And uh, so far I had been teaching this course since spring 2013, and it has been a fascinating journey. And their feedback has even helped me to refine it going forward. They Sometimes they didn't like one assessment. I have changed it. I have modified it uh, going forward. So that's how I have been keeping up with it. <laughs> and and yeah. as you know, that there is no single day or I would say even single hour goes by when there is no public health crisis in the world. So that's what you have to be aware that is such a dynamic subject. There is nothing wrong. There is nothing right. 
only thing is that you have to get engaged, find local sources, local resources to solve the problem, to find the solution. So in my class, people, students watch the video, people, they have to even write the short essay on that and all those kind of things are there. And I have some structure that even when they're watching the video, when they write the short essay, they have to use some of the epidemiological terms, not to recount the story, but they have to reflect onto the essay that how it is helpful or not helpful into the topic what we are discussing. So what I think I hear is that you fully embrace the fact that this is a huge course with so many disciplines and so many different issues and you find multiple ways throughout the course to have students make connections. So they're connecting personally to a particular mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. uh, when they're in a group, mm -hmm. they are connecting with people who have perhaps very different academic backgrounds than they do or are maybe at a different point in their um, undergraduate career. You have students connecting what's happening in the classroom with what's happening outside of the classroom. So in a way it sounds to me like the through line of the course is the connection making itself even more than it is the content of the course. You are absolutely right. And this is introduction of the topics, introduction of the content. Now, if they're interested, they can go further into detail uh, trying to understand or specialize into those things. So that is there. So here, my intention is to how do you connect your knowledge? And how can you go from there? Because even in my class, we have a session on the library, how to conduct search, how to prepare a poster, how to develop a talk or write an essay, including these terms and terminology. Even if you don't go deep, but at least you have introduction of these topics, going further understanding. Because they can, from here, they can go into the master's or other program where they can even go further deep into the topic. So, okay. mm -hmm. but this gives them a well-rounded um, idea that what actually the global health means. Not only that, I teach, let's say, I give them the topics or, look, these are the crisis time. But in addition to that, even the, um, their poster topics are even much more wider. For example, they will be talking about zoonotic diseases. They will be talking about the emerging infectious diseases. They will be talking about the water issues in Africa. They will be talking about uh, maternal mort ma child and, child and uh, maternal health in, in uh, Eastern Europe. So all these different topics. And in the group, they do the research and then they present. And I have a template where they have to put the background, they have to have a hypothesis, they have to have a method. All these things, they put it on the poster. And then I select them and they come and present to in the class. Uh, not all of them is possible to make them present, but at least they have a chance to see all of them online. They are able to see that. And that is quite fascinating because that even opens their eyes even much more. Talk a little bit about... Who takes this course, Alok? It's, um, it's an introductory course, but it's in the general education curriculum sequence, right? So any student can take this course. Yes, this is the university core curriculum course. It's a foundational course. 
So every student, I think there are more than 20, 30 courses which are available for the foundation courses. And this comes in the identity, social, social identity uh, group. And every student has to select, I believe, four courses. And, and this is one of them. This course is one of them. So they select that. But I have to tell you that since I'm teaching this course, it has been always full, 100 students, more or less. Every time I have offered this course, it's 100 students in that class. So, okay, <laughs> you have 100 students mm -hmm. that may or may not have chosen majors. Mm -hmm. Some of these students, this may be the first course they're taking in college. Absolutely. For some of them, it could be one of the last. Yes, absolutely. And you engage all of them. So let's talk a little bit more about more deeply about mm -hmm. how you do that. Mm -hmm. Because um, especially with the co-curricular activity, mm -hmm. I hear a lot of faculty say, you know, activities outside of the classroom, that's really not my responsibility. Um, I have so many students. How do I grade this activity? I don't know how to tell students what to do. There isn't anything happening on my campus that's associated with my topic. So how do you meet the needs of such a wide variety of students and actually have this activity outside of your classroom become what it has been, which is probably the most successful component of the course? I mean, I do read the reflections of your students and to a person, they say that that is the activity that coalesces the meaning of the course. It catalyzes what they're learning. Dig deeper into what are the specific directions you give your students when you're giving them this assignment to engage in a co-curricular activity? That is, as you know, the global learning course has a requirement of one of the component when you are developing the course of co-curricular activities. So, uh, the co-curricular activities which I have designed, there are, I have designed in two components is there. One is that they watch uh, one uh, documentary or movie in the classroom. And then they have to, uh, not to recount this story, but they have to reflect on to that uh, topic. For example, last semester they uh, watched a documentary on the vaccine war. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, how people have different opinions about the vaccine war. And the interesting thing is that after the, after the documentary, uh, they were able to discuss. And there were some students who were very strong that, okay, they don't want to vaccinate their children. And um, some of them, majority of them say, okay, they will vaccinate. But then, so that's the kind of, it makes it much more fun. But sometimes it also becomes a little, okay, how to, you know, take them into different direction. And then they also write this short essay, about 500 words. But they're assessing, yes, it is a challenge. Like assessing 100 students become a challenge. But at the same time, I'm not assessing them that they have gone into deep, but whether they have been able to reflect on to that what the vaccine is, whether they have used some of the, I have asked them, okay, we'll highlight the epidemiological terms, what is what you can use into this. So that way you can quickly go through and at least you can get a sense that yes, I mean, they have tried to understand, they have done something of that sort. I'm not there to correct their English. So I am there just to see whether they are able to connect things. So that is the one component. Second component is that I have a template already I have uh, developed where they have to attend three events. Three events they have to go to. 
Two, they have to go physically, whether you volunteer in a church, whether you um, run a marathon, or whether you go and attend a workshop or a seminar, whatever you want to do. You can do even, for example, in one case, there was a student who had gone for the belly dancing for the cancer awareness fundraising. But the point here is what I'm trying to ask. So there are so three events. The two of them are they have to be physically present there. And the third event, I ask them to watch up to um, 40 to 60 minutes of TED Talks related to the global public health. And then I have a set of questions they have to answer based on to whatever they have uh, done. Uh, like, where did you go? How long the event was? How, what did you find? New information you found? And how do you connect it to the course? So that's the kind of they do. And, and they write this thing, and then they submit it, and then I look through it. And uh, that's how, uh, and, and they like it because not only that they go out of the classroom, but they see, oh, there is an interconnected things. And uh, that opens their eyes and they become much more eager to engage. They much, in fact, uh, many students, they say, okay, after going through this class and the co-curricular, I'm ready to do some more things. I want to get engaged into some of these activities and do more things into that. So that's how, you know, so that's, that's what it is. Yes, and, and in the reflections w- that I read and that you read as well, students will say, well, I was hesitant at first or it might have been difficult for me to find something that I was interested in going to, but then it became the single most powerful opportunity for me to connect what was happening in the classroom in terms of our discussions, Mm -hmm. what I'm reading, what my professor is lecturing about, and my personal life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've also noticed that a number of students say in the reflections that they knew very little about public health Mm -hmm. prior to the course, Mm -hmm. but were planning on Pursuing a degree. Absolutely, absolutely. Many of them, after this course, they want to pursue the public health discipline or the public health profession, and which is testimony to this course, I have to say. It is testimony to the power of the course. <laughs> yeah. And so, so I have a question for you. How has teaching this course, developing in the teaching and teaching the course, how has it impacted you? Actually, it has energized me further. That's what I can tell. Because not only that I see the willingness, in fact, I I get very excited about when the students get excited. And their um, willingness to, that actually brings me hope that yes, like, you know, things can be done in a positive way. And um, I am ready to help whatever may, like, you know, they want me to help them in going or as much in my power. I would like to help them to do whatever they uh, want to do. And that is, uh, in fact, it has made me even much more humble and, in fact, much more interested in this topic as well because it's such a complex topic as such. In fact, I have a another course which is advanced level of the same I teach into the master's level. Um, and there they do case studies and they do like, you know, uh, uh, analyze much more data oriented and those kind of things they do. So that's an advanced level of this course. But here is just an introduction and kind of things what happens is such a dynamic thing that anything I talk about this, this relates to you on your daily life whether it's a water, whether it's your health, whether it's a Zika virus, whether it's Ebola, whether it's a cancer, whether it's a cardiovascular disease, diabetes, uh, you name it. And uh, 
Um, also, I feel is that you know our university is blessed with the diversity, and I have kind of seen that in a given semester, up to 20 to 25 countries, not saying the first generation, even like descendants of 25 to 30 countries are represented in every class. So that even brings a different mindset. And that those are the things which even excites me much more. Like uh, they are like, you know, they're the first generation or second generation. People are from all over the planet. So, of, yeah, so that's... And how do you know that they are? Do you, do you do a survey, or is that some information that you get in your in your class roster? I mean, how do you know that students are? You can are consider from? that. You can consider that as an icebreaker. <laughs> <laughs> okay, tell us so about because, that. Uh, in the beginning, they have all of them have to introduce themselves online. They have to introduce, and I have a set of questions. Um, that you know, uh, where are you from? In the sense. Um, that even the first generation, second generation, and and I not every time, but sometimes like this semester again I did, and um, I had about twenty countries represented. So and there you can now you, we have tool you can just plot it on the map. It's so world map, so that looks pretty awesome. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> yeah, so they they provide like you know your name, your like you know your semester, where you are, what is your major and anything you would like to share with your friends and uh, or your class uh, so um, if you want you can even post your photo but that's not mandatory that's optional uh, but i have seen majority of them they do and uh, then in your favorite website so these are all i have a set of questions on my website of the course so they do that and do you use that to compose your teams later on that is pretty simple, actually, because, you know, on the PantherSoft, you can download the names, and that's where it tells you that which background they're coming, whether they're senior, whether they're sophomore, whether they're junior. You just download it, and then you can sort it on the Excel. And then you can make that, um, whether they're from biology, from the marketing, from business, that is there on the PantherSoft. PantherSoft being yes. your, that's the information that you get for your, your class roster. Correct, yes. So when you mm -hmm. get your class roster and you start to mm -hmm. divide the students into teams right. mm -hmm. that they'll be in for the course, mm -hmm. they're going to be in those teams for creating their projects, Correct. for doing the projects. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you tend to diversify them in terms of their discipline and their year, age. And, uh, year, uh, like whether they're sophomore, junior, or senior, or freshman. So uh, it's, I'm not dividing them based on their uh, country of origin or something of that sort. It's just the, where they stand into freshman, sophomore, junior, or senior year. And then also try to diversify their discipline. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about why you compose your teams that way. I think it has to do with the with the project. You you were talking earlier about the poster project that they engage in. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more about the details of that project. So uh, it's to kind of instill the idea that there could be multiple different kind of ways to uh, see the issue perspective you can get into different uh, so it brings different disciplines together whether it's 
like you know, even for example, if there is a water problem in Asia, so one could be the biological chemical issue, how you can purify the water. Second could be, okay, can it be the engineering solution? Then could it be how you can distribute the water? So there are several aspects of uh, all these things come together. So the idea of having the different disciplines coming together is to uh, instill the idea that you need everybody together to solve a problem. It's not that, okay, if there's a biological solution to it, you have to have an engineering solution. You have to have a, a business solution. You have to have a different kind of solutions coming together to solve the issue. And, you know, so you have a problem and you put together the different ideas to solve the problem. As a team. As a team. As a team. Yes. Okay. Now, this is very interesting to me, Alok, because mm -hmm. early on in the days of developing the Global Learning Initiative, there was a big debate within the university regarding what we call the Global Learning Foundations courses. So these are courses that um, either have a 1,000 or 2,000 level or courses of any number that also reside in the university's general education curriculum sequence. And one of the characteristics that's required of the foundations courses, in addition to the one that you described earlier, which is that it's an integrative course. It needs to have some kind of co-curricular activity mm -hmm. that ties the students uh, learning in the classroom with what they know and they engage in outside of the classroom. We also want to have interdisciplinary connections mm -hmm. in those foundations courses. And there was a debate, frankly, that we mm -hmm. had. There, mm -hmm. was, there were people on um, our establishing committees that said it's too early for students to be doing that in their career. Mm -hmm. So would you reflect on that a little bit? If you have freshmen and, and sophomores in your course that maybe have declared a, a major but haven't really gotten a foot in, footing in that major yet, how can they contribute in terms of disciplinary perspectives? Because that is uh, more of a topic-wise, like you have already assigned a problem to them right? So now they have to do their own research. It's not a perfect solution. It's just a flavor of how to work in a team. So it's, it's not that, okay, this solution, what they're providing, the prevention plan or, or the, the program evaluation and all that, it's not the perfect solution. It's not what they have done. But are they able to even generate a hypothesis? Are they able to even plan something, how to prevent something? Whether it's just communication, how you can, in a different culture, you can communicate with the people about the Ebola, or how you can communicate into a different place about certain communication, dis communicable diseases. So whether are you going to be and telling people, or you will employ the local people who people will listen more. So those kind of things, it's just a, a generation of that thought process. That is my goal here. I'm not looking for a perfect solution. But then whether, let's say, for example, you have developed a pump to provide the clean water to a village somewhere, but maybe a business major would say, okay, how I can make it sustainable? So if you just leave it free of cost, it will dilapidate very quickly. But even if you put a token money there, possibly that might engage people and they will be more responsible. So whether that a student can bring that perspective or not, but that's what they are also engaged into doing research. What are the solutions available in those areas? 
because one of the also focus of my this processes or or for this courses i tell them that we cannot transplant the solution from a different background to a new place your goals should be to find the local resources your goal should be to find the local knowledge what it is how much they do it it doesn't matter it's just that that thought process is important so you're basically lighting a fire underneath <laughs> your students who may ha- come to you with just a couple of twigs yeah. and, <laughs> yeah. and mm-hmm. and what you're doing in this course isn't so much a mastery mm-hmm. yeah. of mm-hmm. of the content yeah. that I, I'm, I'm not for the mastery of the, any of the subject I'm just telling you okay this is how you must have an uniform language these are the local these are the current issues and crisis at the moment refers these are the technologies we have available how you can help these to solve this issue and uh, now if you want to go deep go get this study in fact one of the thing i also tell them is that um in fact this was one of our graduate program uh, graduate program goals were earlier like you know you have the intra um, uh, intrapersonal goal inter uh, sorry inter intrapersonal goal inter interpersonal goals as well as the cognitive goals you should have so this is the one thing which i also tell them that, that you have to see where you want to be 10 years down the road you have to project yourself there then you have to find a role model or identify a problem or something what you want to solve that's where you have to have interpersonal skills you have found something and then you try to interconnect how this person got there if you have a role model and then you uh try to see it may not be the same path you'll be following but at least it guides you to go there then you look for cognitive skills cognitive skills that okay this needs the bas statistics this needs the epidemiology this needs the engineering this needs the physics chemistry of course how much they do it i don't know not everybody will follow it but this will stick to some of them so talk a little bit now about this poster project that mm-hmm. you have your students doing. Mm-hmm. This is the sort of thing that we generally will think about students doing in an upper level course to create a research poster mm-hmm. that they're mm-hmm. going to display. Mm-hmm. Uh but you have students doing this in sometimes mm-hmm. the very first course that they're taking in in an undergraduate yeah. uh in their mm-hmm. undergraduate career. So what are some of the specific directions that you give in this assignment in terms of the roles perhaps that your students play on their team what they must produce and then how they present it to mm-hmm. their peers mm-hmm. yeah i mean it's again since i had been doing it from like since 2013 i think this has worked out pretty well some of them hated uh but at the same time um, the idea which i want to instill them is that this is a teamwork like you know you have to put together you have to come together to work on this project and they do the research and everything and i have a template i have a template on the um, wherever the assignment they have to submit uh there like you know the already the the subheadings are something like the background hypothesis methods uh, results 
then you have a summary and conclusion and then in majority of the cases the summary and conclusion is something okay like this is the result what i have found this is what i see that there is a trend that this disease is much more becoming prevalent or the new incidence of the disease is coming so what should be the prevention plan or or where would you take it from there uh, whether you would like to make the medicines available or whether you would like to make people educated about it so that they wash their hand or so that they have the clean drinking water or whether uh, there has to be policy change or or they should be provided with the primary health care so they have to come up with the prevention plan and that is where i think is that the whole team comes together because even i don't assign them that okay you will be doing the background you will be doing the result part you will be doing it is among them because from the very beginning i tell them you decide who is going to do what because that is when the camaraderie or team building will come yes i mean there will be some tiff here and there uh but uh i would say generally in my class i have 25 groups working and out of that i would say one or two has some issues here and there and then i ask them okay if your team member hasn't responded write to that person and copy it to me as well so certain tweaks here and there which i have developed over the period of time and that's how i go about it and i think that this has been a very successful uh, poster making endeavor for these students and at the end of it i used to have a have them present in two days of my class uh, but um, i stopped having them to print it out because then the issue comes who is going to pay for it and all that so that becomes an issue so i changed that module i changed that that they will make the poster and it's a powerpoint one slide two by three feet and then they will just post it onto the online and they will discuss it they have to have like again 25 is a lot for them so i have like a minimum 10 posters you have to make a comment on that and so they make a comment on that and then that's how i like i grade them they also have an opportunity to even grade their peers if they haven't contributed enough so that is also an assignment or a small quiz i have okay, whether the person was flexible uh, and uh, whether the person contributed enough and then you grade them I mean I give them the full marks but in majority of the cases each one of them I have seen they give the full marks to their team members. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> in some cases yes it's different but yes the majority of them they do. So that means no matter what the point here is that the team is functioning. Okay. So and you did mention that there are a few things that you do some tweaks to mm-hmm. to help exactly. the teams to, to function. Exactly. Take them along, yes. I'm really glad that you mentioned that. because our global engagement outcome is stated as the willingness to engage in problem solving and sometimes our faculty will say well we can't solve these problems in our classes these problems are way too big we're we're not going to end them uh in the course of a semester or even these undergraduate students we can't do that so but you're saying that there is value in attempting to do that in trying to do that mm-hmm. how do you know that there's value f- for students in doing that because until unless you attempt how would you know what problems it will be if you want to actually solve the problem if you do not attempt if you're not willing to even engage into an issue then you cannot like even attempt to solve that problem so similarly in their profession in their journey of their life they have to be adapting to the changes that's the kind of 
thing I would like to instill into my student. That if you are thinking that you can be a doctor in a hospital, maybe not. You may have to work as a disaster medicine. You may have to work as an emergency medicine. You may have to work into completely resource-limited place. Because, yes, in my class also, many of them, they want to be the doctor. But I tell them that maybe you will be working in the telemedicine. You are, you are preparing yourself to be working in the hospital, maybe not. So you have to keep your eyes open and accept how things are coming. If you can change it, mitigate the effect, sure, go ahead. So you're talking about change in terms of the topic that students are, are, are studying, mm -hmm. but uh, you've been teaching this course since 2013 and you talked a little bit about the changes that you have made. What changes do you see on the horizon in terms of this course? Well, <laughs> Uh, this is a new thing. I wouldn't say new thing. People probably may have been thinking, but uh, for the last six months or so, which I am, uh, in fact, I have already started in my advanced level courses, where I am telling people is that, okay, um, we know that there are problems. We know that the people get sick. People get like, you know, they have an issue with their health and all that kind of thing. There are more people who are healthy, who are still leading their life. They have a quality of life and all that. So is it possible we can go back and see what is happening in their lives? Or what kind of environment do they live in? How is that impacting their health? So maybe doing that kind of a research possibly will give us some clue and then maybe we can disseminate that information into different formats. And it is already happening, like, you know, whether it's a nutrition, whether it's a yoga, whether it's a different, you know, health benefits of all, the, which is happening already. In your case, instead of looking at how people fall sick, rather you ask the question how people can be, remain better. So is there anything else that you'd like to share about your course that we haven't had a chance to explore yet? Well, I think you have pretty much covered it. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of very optimistic about this course or maybe um, even modifying in some way which can even improve the student learning outcomes. Uh, and not only the learning outcomes, my idea would be how they can apply this into their lives, not just necessarily for passing the course, as to how they can apply. In the, and in fact, that has happened uh, many times. A student didn't know what to expect in the class. And that I asked them in the beginning itself that, you know, why are you taking this course? Many it's mandatory, that's why I take it. But at the end of it, oh, I learned so much. Because that's the thing which I want them to know. That when they go out of this class, they should feel that they have learned something which they can apply into their lives. So uh, that's how I see this course going forward. Fantastic. <laughs> Thank you, Alok. I really appreciate spending time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Making Global Learning Universal. This podcast is brought to you by FIU's Office of Global Learning Initiatives, Media Technology Services, and our Disability Resource Center. You can find all our episodes, show notes, transcripts, and discussion guides on our webpage, Global Learning Podcast. FIU.edu. And if this episode was meaningful to you, please share it with colleagues, friends, and students. You can even give it a rating on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in and for all you do to make global learning universal. <laughs>